listeners, welcome back to Who Knew We Didn't. My name is Marta, and my partner in podcast here is... Megan. Hey. Hi. We have redone this intro four, five, seven times now. Somewhere in there. Because I don't know how to hold a microphone or speak. <laughs> but this is the podcast where we talk about psychology things. We are two bosom buds who have an interest in psychology, and we cover psychology as it affects our daily lives. And today, Megan has a super interesting, highly requested topic for us. It's the Stanford Prison Experiment. That's right. We thought it had been kind of just way too long since we'd done a study study episode and um, we wanted to do a study study about this for a while Mm. and then we got a few listener requests and so um, yeah without further ado the Stanford Prison Experiment. So uh, basically I'll kind of take you through it this one was was mine marta gets to mostly just sit back and and relax and listen and make mouth noises into the mic yeah and you know feel the wind we are outside it's another outdoor recording so if you if you hear beautiful wind and bird sounds and lawnmowers there were some skateboarders here earlier it's just all part of the magic (laughs) um (laughs) but uh yes so for some background uh The Stanford Prison Experiment happened in 1971, and it was to be a social psychology experiment uh, at, of course, Stanford University. Shocker. Um, Yeah. Uh, The goal was to evaluate the psychological effects of perceived power, and it focused on the struggle between prisoners and prison officers. Uh, Again, hence the name, Stanford Prison Experiment. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening already know about this um, because there have been, you know, it's it's well known in pop culture. There have been movies based on it. Most notable for me was The Experiment, which had uh, Forrest Whitaker and Adrian Brody in it. The movie called The Experiment? Yeah, it's called oh, The Experiment, okay. yeah. There's another movie called The Experiment, which is also based on this, but it's not the same one that, anyway. Um, Lord. It's also been, uh, it's frequently reviewed in a lot of introductory social psychology textbooks. So if you are somebody with a psychology background, then I'm sure you know quite a bit about this. Um, It was actually funded by the U.S. Office of Naval Research, which I did not know. And it was, uh, again, to look at the causes of difficulties between prison guards and prisoners in the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps. I had no idea. Uh, so the, the experiment was led by psychology professor Philip Zimbardo using college student volunteers. The volunteers were assigned to be either guards or prisoners in a mock prison environment. So it was like 12 and 12, mm. um, 24 total. Uh, <laughs> Math, yay! yay. Um, an undergrad research assistant was given the role of warden and Zimbardo himself served as the superintendent of the quote-unquote prison yes um it was uh done in a 35 foot section of a basement in stanford's psychology building uh called jordan hall and and divided into cells containing really just like a cot for the prisoners it Mm. was a three to a cell um two fake walls allowed for observation and the guards however they actually lived in a really different environment separate from the prisoners and they were given like rest and relaxation areas and other comforts that the prisoners were not um, so lucky to have. Yes. Um, So Zimbardo had designed the experiment in order to induce disorientation, depersonalization, and de-individualization in the participants. That sounds pretty sucky. Yeah. Um, They wanted to focus on power of roles, rules, symbols, um, group identity, and situational validation of behavior that would generally like 
not happen and, and upset ordinary individuals. <laughs> um, and actually, in 1996, Zimbardo told a Toronto symposium, and this is a quote here, uh, I had been conducting research for some years on deindividualization, uh, vandalism, and dehumanization that illustrated the ease with which ordinary people could be led to engage in antisocial acts by putting them in situations where they felt anonymous or they could perceive of others in ways that made them less than human or as enemies or objects what years did this take place 1971 so like shouldn't we already know a lot about all of these concepts based on like this nazi was, germany this was in retro what oh the symposium yeah okay was okay when was the experiment 1971 and in 96 that was oh, like okay. him he was like telling a Toronto symposium yeah, that but that was. I meant like, for example, um, like SS officers in concentration camps. Like you already know about like deper- depersonalization and like, shouldn't we already know? Well, that wasn't like uh, studied. It wasn't. Or, you know what I mean? It's not like they that they were um, evaluating that. Mm-hmm. You know what well, I mean? Well, like I guess just we had anec- like anecdotal. Like anyway, I take it back. <laughs> I retract that statement. Okay. All right. Retracted. Um, uh, So uh, only male participants were recruited and they were told that they would receive $15 a day uh, for the experiment. And that's equal to like almost $100 a day today. Okay. I was about to say, hey, big spender. Yeah. Well, in the 70s, though, um, they they were told they would be participating for a two-week prison simulation. Uh, 24 applicants, like I say, and whose test re- results predicted that they would be the most psychologically stable and healthy. Um, white, middle-class individuals, um, they were intentionally yeah. selected to exclude people with a criminal background, psychological impairments, or medical problems. White, middle-class men, they're definitely the In most college. stable. Yeah. yeah. Fuck women. Yeah. Um, or anybody with any sort of skin tone. Uh, The researchers held an orientation session for the guards the day before the experiment was set to start. And during that um, session, guards were instructed to not physically harm the prisoners or withhold food or drink. Um, But in some of the footage of the study, Zimbardo can be seen talking to the guards and saying things like, um, you can create the the feeling of boredom in prisoners. You can give them a sense of fear to some degree. You can create a notion of arbitrariness that their life is like totally controlled by us um by the system by you by me um that they don't have privacy like basically like the goal for the guards was to take away their individuality in various ways like you're allowed to or like yeah, you like, should yeah like you can't physically harm them or withhold food or drink but all these other things are fair game fair game yeah um in general like because they wanted to get to this sense of powerlessness um and in this situation like the guards would have all the power and the prisoners would have none um so even though they were told not to harm anybody the guards were still given um wooden batons to establish their status and clothing that was like similar to what an actual prison guard would wear um mirrored sunglasses so that they couldn't make eye contact mirrored sunglasses isn't that intense do prison guards actually wear that well no i don't think so maybe outside only porn stash from like uh orange is the new black (laughs) yeah um but but yeah they were this was part of their uniform um prisoners on the other hand were given clothing that was designed to make them 
appear like prisoners, you know, ill-fitting smocks. They had their ID number sewed on to their clothes. Um, they even had an ankle chain, I think. Um, guards were told to call prisoners by their assigned numbers, not their names. Uh, prisoners had to stay in their cells or in the yard all day and night um, until the end of the study. And guards worked in teams of three for eight-hour shifts, uh, and they weren't required to stay on site after their shift ended. Um, as far as how the guards were instructed to behave, this was actually based on interviews that they'd had with um, a prison consultant. Um, it was someone who had spent 17 years in San Quentin for attempted murder. His name was Carlos Prescott. Um, ideas like bags being placed over the heads of prisoners, inmates being bound together with chains, fuck. buckets being used in place of toilets in their cells, all of that wa uh, was drawing from experience that Prescott had at the old Spanish jail section of San Quentin. Speaking of San Quentin, just real quick, um, do you, have you guys ever heard of that? Well, I guess you can't answer me, <laughs> listeners, but um, Ear Hustle, the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's based out of San Quentin. Doesn't sound that bad anymore. Um, yeah, it's, well... Like, quite so tragic. Yeah. Um, hang on to that. Okay. thought that it doesn't sound quite so bad hang on you, she's got it no i mean like it sounds terrible in yours yes yes but yeah. like the current situation in san quentin seems to have improved yes but i've caught the thought it's in my pocket perfect because this dress has pockets um so prescott had shared all of that with the stanford prison team um like the experiment team the people putting it together uh months before the experiment actually started hmm. um but basically, like, what we're talking about is, like, fucking torture. Yeah. Um, that's literally the, the name of the heading I gave for this section that I'm about to share with all of you what, in my fucking notes. Fucking torture. Fucking torture. <laughs> it says it. it right there. Uh, the first day was uneventful. So on the second day, the prisoners in cell one blockaded their cell door with their beds and took off, like, their caps as if they like to take off part of their uniform. Refused to come out and follow instructions. Like, Did they, they just kind this, of... Like trying to be rowdy or uh, yeah I, that's the impression that i got um so guards from other shifts ended up volunteering to work extra hours to assist in subduing the revolt and um in the end they attacked the prisoners with fire extinguishers without being uh supervised by the research staff um they found that handling nine cellmates with just three guards was challenging so one of the guards suggested that they use psychological tactics to control the prisoners like what um, they set up a privilege cell where prisoners who weren't involved in the riot got special rewards like high quality meals. Can I tell you that my grade five teacher had a privileged like side of the room, like of the classroom. Like if you got certain scores on your tests, you were put together in a particular group. Oh, mm -hmm. that's intense. Yeah. Was it like, uh, um, privileged in like, uh, like you got to work on harder stuff no like we got to use pens instead of the other apparently dumb kids who had to use pencils like it was bad that's power man i mean like i was in the privileged you group. got to use a pen but like how anyway indeed Sorry. um privileged inmates chose not to eat the meal like the high quality meals to show solidarity with their shit son yeah that's nice yeah so like really quickly as soon as things kind of turned like people fell into groups. their teams yeah. do you guys remember the episode where i talked about group dynamics and like how easy it is to be to consider yourself as part of one group yeah 
Um, I feel like actually we are going to touch on a couple of other concepts that you've brought either in that episode or in other episodes actually. Um, But after 36 hours, one of the prisoners began to act crazy, as Zimbardo put it. Um, She said with air quotes? Yeah, I did. Like, that was the word he used. Um, He uh, started screaming, cursing. He went into a rage that seemed, like, really out of control. Sounds like me when I'm driving and someone cuts me off. uh Uh-huh. And... um, basically after a little while everybody became convinced that he was really suffering and they had to release him so one of the prisoners actually got released Hmm. um so he left the experiment earlier um than he was supposed to and somebody else was brought in to replace him when they did it i sorry i should have explained this earlier so it was 12 prisoners and 12 guards but it was like nine active and three alternates so like nine were active yeah prisoners and so they brought in an alternate okay okay yeah um the, that participant, by the way, the one who left early, he was interviewed in 2017 and stated that the breakdown had been fake and that he did it so that he could leave and return to studying because he originally thought he was going to be allowed to study while he was imprisoned, but then hmm. the prison staff wouldn't let him. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't had, I, I haven't thrown a fit because like I should be studying. Well, but you might throw a fit to leave a prison experiment. I probably wouldn't have joined it in the first place because I'm a wuss. That's true. Um, I like I would take what this guy said with a grain of salt because there were a couple so of other later. yeah, and there were a couple of other interviews where it seems like he gave like a not a differing account, but like uh, not the exact same account of why he you. left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, and the, we know our memory episode says that he could think that it he his could memories be remembering are true. Things differently. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. The guards started forcing the prisoners to repeat their assigned numbers to reinforce that that was their whole identity. Um, Sanitary conditions declined really, really quickly, and that was made worse when the guards began refusing to allow some of the prisoners to urinate or defecate anywhere but in a bucket placed in their cell. And, as further punishment, they wouldn't let the prisoners empty the bucket. Just, just... Yeah. Mattresses were a very valued item in the prison, and so the guards would punish prisoners by removing their mattresses and making them sleep on concrete. Oh my god. Some of the prisoners were forced to be naked as a method of degradation. Several of the guards became increasingly cruel as the experiment continued, um, and experimenters reported that approximately a third of the guards exhibited genuine sadistic tendencies. And most of the guards were upset when the experiment was halted after only six days. Stop. Like, okay, so what are these sadistic t- tendencies? Well, let me get You're through. I'm like, s- this is still really early yeah. <laughs> in okay. the whole thing. Um, so Zimbardo admitted that he himself became too absorbed in the experiment. Um, on the fourth day, some of the guards stated that they had heard a rumor that the prisoner who broke down and got released early they heard a rumor that he was going to come back with his friends and free the remaining inmates and zimbardo and the guards disassembled the prison moved it onto a different floor of the building and zimbardo actually waited in the basement in case the prisoner did show up um and he planned to tell him that the experiment had been terminated even though it had been moved and obviously it was a rumor the released prisoner never returned and the prison was rebuilt in the basement but like he was just they got so involved in the experiment and just really fell into their roles and That's insane. developed crazy paranoia yeah like just you're only like four days in guys or s- however many days and in you're in control of this experiment like you're way too close um now like there's still some more torture hmm. um Bring it on. <laughs> 
at one point a new prisoner got introduced to fill the the role of the prisoner who had left earlier mm. um he had been one of the standby ones previously he was number 416 uh he expressed concern about ha- about the treatment of other prisoners so the guards actually responded to him with more abuse cool. um he refused to eat his sausages saying that he was on a hunger strike and so the guards confined him to solitary confinement which was like a dark closet and the guards then instructed the other prisoners to repeatedly punch on the door while shouting at the prisoner inside and they the guards said that they would only release 416 from confinement if the other prisoners gave up their blankets and slept on their bare mattresses which all but one refused to do hmm. so like again falling into the roles and like understanding like the guards have power over me so it's in my best interest to not yeah yeah also was that one bullied later the one guy that did give up his blanket well i don't know because we're now getting to the topic that i labeled quitting time um (laughs) i love these yeah i like can confirm (laughs) Um, so finally Zimbardo aborted the experiment when, uh, a woman named Christina Maslach or Maslach, uh, it ends in a CH, so it could be either. Anyway, she was a graduate, graduate student, uh, in psychology whom he was dating at the time and later married. Zimbardo Um, was? Yeah. Wait, someone married this guy? Yep. Um, she objected to the conditions of the prison after she was introduced to, um, do, conduct uh, interviews with the experiment so she expressed like concern no shit um yeah you're insane (laughs) all Uh, of this is insane yeah um so he noted that of the more than 50 people who had observed the experiment she was the only one who questioned the morality of it was she the only woman I thought the exact same thing when I was doing the research, but I cannot confirm that. I didn't. I don't know if if you other heard it here first, involved. folks. It <laughs> takes a woman to tell you that to stop a horrific prison experiment. Experiment where you're making university students shit in buckets and corners is like kind of wrong. Yeah. Um, so after six six days of a planned two weeks duration, it was discontinued. Um, so as far as results, early results claimed that the students quickly embraced their assigned roles, um, some guards enforcing authoritarian measures and ultimately subjecting prisoners to psychological torture. Many prisoners passively accepted psychological abuse and by the officer's request actually um, actively harassed other prisoners who tried to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, some examples that were described in Stanford Magazine, um, there was a guard named Dave Eshelman, and he was deemed to be the most abusive of the guards. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought his aggressive behavior was helping experimenters get what they wanted. Um, John Mark, who uh, joined the experiment hoping to be selected as a prisoner, but, but got assigned to be a guard. Hmm. He recalled, at that time of my life, I was getting high all day, every day. I brought joints with me, and every day I wanted to give them to the prisoners. I looked at their faces and saw how they were getting dispirited, and I felt sorry for them. Um, the warden, Dave Jaff, um, David Jaff, who, or Haffy, I don't know, J-A-F-F-E, um, Anyway, he was he was the research assistant that was given the role of warden. Um, He intervened with John Mark to get him to change his behavior to participate more and be more rough. So that guard who felt sorry for the prisoners was actually like taken aside and said, like, no, be meaner. Also, like he was coming in stoned like you're not I'm not a very participate more. Not that I'm saying like I've ever smoked or whatever, but I probably wouldn't be mean. 
Not well that stoned. mean. Not that mean. Um, on this point, by the way, Zimbardo wrote that the instructions they gave to guards were, quote, mild compared to the pressure exerted by actual wardens and superior officers in real life prison and military settings where guards failing to participate fully uh, can face disciplinary hearings, demotion or dismissal. Hmm. Um, And I actually think that's a fair point to make. I'm curious, the guards and the prisoners knew what the goal was of the study though, right? That's actually not that clear to me. I mean, the guards had the guards had their um, initial session where they were told how they were supposed to behave and mm-hmm. that they were trying to create this sense of powerlessness and remove individualization amongst the prisoners. So I'm I'm expecting that the guards did know. Yeah. Like or they at least had been given. I think that that ruins your results then. Well, yeah, I'm going to get into some criticisms, DeMarta. Don't worry. It's not like I'm going through this just being like... <laughs> Oh, hey. Yay. Hunky dory. No, no. Um, but I do want to point out, I think it is a fair point to yeah. to acknowledge that like... Shit went wild. Yeah, shit went wild here. And But the reality is, yeah, in a real life prison experiment, or uh, not, not in an experiment, in a real life prison environment, um, a guard could face disciplinary mm. action and like mm-hmm. dismissal if they're not... Uh, participating yeah and wardens could also say like the goal of your job here is to be like demoralizing yeah and like at the very least it points out that the treatment was uh, like in the experiment was perhaps at least equal to how prison guards might actually treat a prisoner in a real life prison setting Mm -hmm. um, especially back in the 70s Mm -hmm. um so dave eshelman he was the guard the really mean one um the most aggressive one he was nicknamed john wayne by some of the other participants after he began to emulate a character from the movie cool hand luke who um, anyway, um, I won't get into the details of why that's wrong. <laughs> Megan but was about to f- fully explain a movie to me. <laughs> but uh, uh, getting the nickname actually caused him to intensify his actions. Huh. Yeah, as he described it, what came over me was not an accident. It was planned. I set out with a definite plan in mind to try and force the action, force something to happen so the researchers would have something to work with. After all, what could they possibly learn from guys sitting around like it was a country club? So I consciously created this persona. I was kind of running my own experiment in there by saying, how far can I push these things and how much abuse will these people take before they say, knock it off? You cocky shit. Yeah. But the other guards didn't stop me. They seemed to join in. They were taking my lead. Not a single guard said, I don't think we should do this. Um... In a 2018 rebuttal posted on his website, and and uh, I'll give the we'll give the links to this uh, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Zimbardo wrote that Eshelman's actions went far beyond simply playing the role of a tough guard, and that uh, his and other guards' acts, given their striking parallels with real-world prison atrocities, tells us something important about human nature. Mm. Um, According to Zimbardo's interpretation of the experiment, it demonstrated that the simulated prison situation and not individual personality traits caused the behavior. Um, Using this situational uh, attribution, though, the results are compatible with those of the Milgram experiment. And that's, I think, Mm -hmm. what we discussed, yeah, in in another episode. And this Um, also comes back to the environment versus, like, 
genetics or whatever yeah. conversation. Um, in the Milgram experiment, uh, for anyone who, who that didn't immediately click for, uh, random participants uh, basically complied with orders to administer what they thought were dangerous electric. and potentially lethal electric shocks. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, anyways, so the Stanford Prison Experiment, it has been used to illustrate cognitive dissonance theory, which is the like mental discomfort that an individual will feel when they are simultaneously holding two conflicting beliefs or values um, and also the power of authority. Uh, and the study also brings uh, in the Hawthorne effect, which I'm sure you've discussed on another episode before, which is basically that uh, participants' behavior may be shaped by knowing that they're being watched. I actually haven't talked about the Hawthorne effect, I don't think. Maybe I brought up the Hawthorne effect. I, so. I feel like we've touched on it at least briefly. Um, but instead of being restrained by fear of an observer, guards may have behaved more aggressively yep. when supervisors observing them didn't step in. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, that was my main concern here is that they knew they were being observed. So they. And they weren't out. stopped. Yeah. yeah. And so it's sort of like, oh, I can keep pushing mm. this envelope that was acceptable that was acceptable that was acceptable yeah yeah um now remember that remember that zimbardo instructed the guards before the experiment to disrespect the prisoners in various ways like referring to them by number rather than name um, 416 yeah and that was <laughs> intended to diminish the prisoners individuality um with no control the prisoners learned that they just had no effect on what happened to them and that caused them to stop responding it caused them to give up um really quick to realize that the guards were the highest on the totem pole, the highest in the hierarchy, and prisoners began to accept their roles as being less important beings. Mm-hmm. Um, Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, one positive result of the study that I want to point out is that, and this is what I asked you to hold on to earlier. Yes, taking has, the idea out of my pocket. <laughs> yeah, it's altered the way U.S. prisons are run. An Good. example is juveniles accused of federal crime are no longer housed before trial with adult prisoners because of the risk of violence against them. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so now, though, we, we need to get into some criticisms. Um, so obviously the findings have been called into question and the experiment has been criticized for unethical and unscientific practices since really the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, critics noted that Zimbardo instructed the guards to exert psychological control over prisoners and some of the participants behaved in a way that would help the study so that as one guard put it like they'd have something to work with like i mentioned earlier so like right away that nulls a lot of things like if you Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um i read somewhere a criticism of it that like all of the results were faked or something like maybe that's going a little too far but i read somewhere that like all of this was just an act or something but like that could just be an exaggeration of like that guy saying like oh i did this on purpose yeah i I think probably i didn't find anything that said that but i think yeah what you stemming from that guy saying like i was putting Mm. on this Mm -hmm. role like i was i was making this act or that other guy who said i faked my way out of here yeah yeah um gotta hit those textbooks seriously i'm in stanford man like i gotta keep up my gpa (laughs) i'm not gonna get that by shitting in a bucket (laughs) no no um 15 bucks a day anyway uh it's also been criticized for its small and unrepresentative sample population like only 24 participants all male all u.s citizens so i'm sure i've mentioned this but there's the weird problem in all studies so it's w white 
educated or yeah i think white educated what's i i don't know uh i should have probably googled this but like something it's like it's always white middle class men yeah in studies yeah um this is definitely one of those weird yeah yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) also on this note um Researchers from Western Kentucky University argued that selection bias may have played a role in the results. So the researchers from Western Kentucky U, they recruited students for a study using an advertisement similar to the one used for the Stanford prison experiment. With some ads would say a psychological study, the control group, Mm -hmm. and some ads would use the words prison life as originally worded in Zimbardo's experiment. And they found that students who responded to the ad for the prison study were higher in traits such as social dominance, aggression, authoritarianism, and and so forth, and were lower in traits related to empathy, altruism, um, especially when compared to the control group. I love this. Because so many times, like, I, it, that's, this is one of, the, like, my nitpicky criticisms usually when I'm, like, looking at studies. I'm like, but how did they recruit them? What language did they use? How did they select these people? Well, and there you go. I just found the um, uh, acronym weird. So, Western Educated and from Industrialized Rich and Democratic Countries. Yeah, so definitely it was weird. Um, <laughs> another criticism, it's never been successfully replicated. Hmm. Um, a lot of the evidence of the experiment was really anecdotal as well. Like because of the nature of the experiment, it was impossible to keep traditional scientific controls in place. Like Zimbardo couldn't be a neutral observer because he influenced the direction of the experiment because he was in the fucking experiment. Um, Conclusions and observations that were drawn by the experimenters were largely subjective and anecdotal. um, And the experiment was practically impossible for other researchers to actively reproduce, like I say. Yep. Um, Critics. Maybe that's the one that I read that it like nobody was able to reproduce. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Cause like for sure, that's the truth. Um, Their critics have also found a lot of generalizations in the experiment's results, and they've argued that the personality of an individual does affect the behavior when imprisoned. And that's directly counter to the study's conclusion that the prison situation itself is the behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like they you mentioned at the very beginning that there were studies people were selected for, like the people who were the most psychologically stable but maybe if you present yourself as psychologically stable that means that you're like very cocky sure of yourself aggressive like tend to lean towards aggression like maybe that questionnaire was also flawed and it's funny that you say it that way because then that western kentucky university study said when we phrased the request the way that the original experiment Mm -hmm. was phrased um we found people to have higher traits of things like aggressiveness Yeah, yeah. yeah um Uh, critics have also argued that the amount of sadism in the normal subjects could not be determined uh, with the methods employed to screen them. Okay. So like ranking, like how sadistic is this for you? Well, like if you, the way they were screened, it couldn't be like properly measured. It wasn't included in the questions. Yeah. And obviously it's been criticized for how unethical it was. <laughs> I was saving that one for the end, but like it's the most yes. in your face. Like it was it yeah. was unethical. The most serious concern was that it continued even after participants expressed their desire to withdraw, hmm. um, despite the fact that participants were told that they had the right to leave at any time. Uh, uh, and Zimbardo didn't allow them to. Imagine. 
thinking that you were able to leave at any time and, and then, then being, being one of the prisoners. Yeah. Yeah, like the guards, at least you can... They were, they actually were allowed to leave outside of their shifts, but mm-hmm. the prisoners were not. Um, it led to... Um, That's torture. Yeah. Uh, since the Stanford Prison Experiment, ethical guidelines have been established for experiments involving human subjects. Huh. It led to the Took implementation. That. Yeah, Took that much <laughs> shit, eh? Um, it led to the implementation of rules to preclude any harmful treatment of the participants before they're implemented. Human studies have to be reviewed and found by an institutional review board in the U.S. or an ethics committee in the U.K. Mm-hmm. to be in accordance with ethical guidelines set by the American Psychological Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guidelines involve considering whether the potential benefit to science outweighs the possible risk for physical and psychological harm. The guidelines are actually pretty tough, like to get your study passed. And fuck, I bet. Yeah. When you like, I remember because I've written applications for like our studies when I was in school and you have to like really aggressively state the benefits to science for like any study. And like, I think that that's kind of a problem because then people are overstating the benefits of their studies right like people are overstating like oh we found this one small significant thing and oh my god it's like world changing but like it made they made us at least when I was writing it like you're meant to kind of exaggerate the benefits of the findings wow maybe not like maybe it was just me being unethical but like you kind of have to be like look at how amazing like you're selling your study you're like please accept it look at how amazing it's going to be and yeah, if you have to sell your study to get it to pass, then you are inevitably, you wouldn't be a good salesperson if you didn't play up the benefits and... Also, you have to try to make it work. Yeah. Because like studies that fail don't get published. And this, again, this is, I'm sure I've rambled on about this, but like the Stanford Prison Experiment couldn't be reproduced, but you don't hear about all the times that it wasn't reproduced because studies that fail don't get published so all we know about is like the stanford prison experiment and the one from that the bbc yeah (sighs) i'll touch on it (laughs) thank you you're welcome um so uh in addition to that uh post-experimental debriefing is now considered an important ethical consideration to Mm -hmm. ensure participants weren't harmed by their experiences um apparently zimbardo did conduct a debriefing session with with the participants Mm -hmm. but several years later and by that time numerous details were forgotten um and nonetheless though a lot of participants reported that they didn't have any lasting effects um Kurtz, like, how would you know? Well, like I say, numerous details were forgotten. Um, <laughs> uh, so current standards specify that the debriefing process should occur as soon as possible to assess what psychological harm, if any, may have been done to re- and to rehabilitate participants if necessary. Um, and if there's an un- unavoidable delay in debriefing, the researcher is obligated to take steps to minimize harm. Hmm. So in response to criticism of his methodology, Zimbardo himself has agreed that the experiment was more of a demonstration than a scientific experiment. Mm. Um, And probably we should use the word demonstration more so than experiment. When Um, everyone, including your future wife, is like, yo, this was wrong. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, only at the time, only his future wife said that. Yeah, but Um, now that everyone has joined. Now, yes. He's like, oh, yeah, it was wrong. Yeah, that was bad. Bad call on my part. Sowie. 
Um, he says, quote, from the beginning, I have always said it's a demonstration. The only thing that makes it experiment is the random assignment to prisoners and guards. That's the independent variable. There is no control group. So it doesn't fit the standards of what it means to be an experiment. It's a very powerful demonstration of a psychological phenomenon, and it has had relevance. It's sounding Trumpy. This sounds like if Trump was like, there, there was no collusion. There never <laughs> has been collusion. Um, I don't know about that. I like I I really want to give Zimbardo the benefit yeah. of the yeah, doubt yeah, yeah. because I do see that despite all of the like terrible unethical treatment and the criticisms, the like it has been an influential yeah thing. At least it got us the ethical yeah. guidelines, and like he at least he's saying like sorry that was bad. Yeah, like, so. it's like it's. Uh, one of those maybe one of those like something really horrible had to happen before we fixed a lot of things that needed fixing i don't know if that's, that's a good enough reason but the way our world works i think it is a little bit yeah um anyway uh in a statement that he put on his website in 2018 zimbardo wrote I hereby assert that none of these criticisms present any substantial evidence that alters the SPE's main conclusion concerning the importance of understanding how systemic and situational forces can operate to influence individual behavior in negative or positive directions, often without our personal awareness. The SPE's core message is not that a psychological simulation of prison life is the same as the real thing, or that prisoners or guards always or even usually behave the way they did in the SPE. Rather, the SPE serves as a cautionary tale of what might happen to any of us if we underestimate the extent to which the power of social roles and external pressures can influence our actions. Hmm. Yeah. Um, So on that note, what did we learn? Um, so I want to bring up an example, uh, in, in, it, it was very widely known. I don't know how many listeners will remember it. It was from 2004, um, the Abu Ghraib prison in Iraq, um, acts of prisoner torture and abuse were conduct, uh, were publicized in March of 2004. Mm-hmm. It was a really big story, got huge media attention when it broke because it was U.S. Army personnel and CIA agents who were committing a series of human rights violations against detainees in the Abu Ghraib prison, uh, like physical abuse, sexual torture, um, abuse, rape, sodomy, murder. Like it was, it was Wild. horrifying. Yeah. yeah. So at the time, then President Bush and other U.S. administration called it an isolated incident. But a lot of other organizations like the Red Cross and Amnesty International had pointed out that it wasn't isolated. And in fact, that kind of abuse was happening in other American overseas detention centers like those in Iraq, Afghanistan and Guantanamo Bay. Zimbardo was struck by the similarity with his own experiment and was dismayed by official military and government reps shifting the blame for the torture and abuses um, over to like a few bad seats Hmm. rather than acknowledging the possibly systemic problems of a formally established military incarceration system. And it's also possible that the people that end up in like the institutions that are running these prisons or whatever are also self-selecting for the same types of traits. Oh, so, yeah. Like, it could have been an exact recreation of the study because you have the same type of population. Yeah. Um, 
And Zimbardo actually became involved with the defense team of lawyers who were representing one of the prison guards huh. um, from Abum Grape. Um, and he, so he was granted full access to all investigation and background reports and testified as an expert witness in that guard's court martial. Um, and that resulted in an eight year prison sentence for that guard. Oh. Um, which like, Sucks. I don't know exactly what that particular guard was um, charged with, but like, considering everything that happened hmm. like eight years seems like not that many years Mm-mm. um anyway um zimbardo drew from his participation in this case to write a book called the lucifer effect uh understanding how good people turn evil published in 2007 and it deals with the similarities between his own stanford prison experiment and the abu Ghraib abuses so is if it, anyone's interested in checking that out yeah is it bad that i have like an immediate bias against any like scientific book that's like has a catchy like has kind of like a clickbaity title like the again Lucifer if you're effect. not selling your product <laughs> true that. no one's gonna read it true. <laughs> true, true, true. and maybe there are some good ideas in there so i come across some books like some really dry sounding psychological books i'm like that's my kind of book it's probably got a lot of truth in there and it's like academic studies on this boring ass topic that marta would like to read about and i'm like that's true title i'm gonna read it i've never read them but i'm uh i'm i'm of both minds i probably won't read that book but like what's time for that john ronson is really good at titling things so yeah yeah um (laughs) Also, I think or I'd like make Malcolm a- Gladwell. I'm like yeah. all over that shit. Also, I'd probably make a clickbaity title. I too. would make a hooky title, yeah. but that's me. Anyway, <laughs> um, me and Zimbardo. Uh, as I mentioned near the beginning of this episode, the experiment is very well known. Hmm. Um, it's actually influenced other experiments of a similar nature, like the BBC prison study in 2002, um, which is interesting because while it wasn't an exact replication of the Stanford prison experiment, obviously. It found differing results, which casts further doubt on how general the findings of the Stanford prison experiment are, um, like the notion that people slip mindlessly into a role and the idea that the dynamics of evil are in any way commonplace. Hmm. Um, it's also been heavily referenced throughout pop culture, as I mentioned. So um, that that movie, The Experiment, I mentioned that earlier, but there's tons of others. It's been um uh, referenced in novels, plays, an episode of Veronica Mars. Oh my god! Yeah, a Japanese manga called Prison School, um, and a ton, other, a ton of others that I'm not going to mention because I've already been talking for kind of way too long. But yeah, that's the that's the Stanford Prison Experiment. Uh, there's there's tons of information out there. It's very widely known. You can find so much all kinds of things uh some of it was filmed by the way so like go on youtube because there are yeah there's clips of it it was filmed or not making entirely but like it was partially filmed i'm making wide eyes at megan yeah (laughs) yeah i just stare silently yeah anyway uh so that was very informative and thorough thank you thank you thank you for tailoring to me with the don't worry i'll get to the criticisms (laughs) (laughs) i'm learning how to predict how you're going to respond to things always um i'm like seeing where this is where marta will have a question (laughs) as opposed to this is where marta will have a question i always just try to like nitpick i guess so um yeah that was really good 
really interesting. If you guys have any questions about the Stanford prison experiment, um, ask Megan or Google. Or Google. Yeah, because you can find a ton of it. But uh, thank you, everyone, so much who requested that we do this. I Mm -hmm. hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you were looking for something that you didn't find, what did I miss? If I showed you something you didn't know, you're welcome. Yeah, and that's everything for us today. Thank you guys again for listening to Who Knew We Didn't. Uh, you can find us anywhere on social media uh, at Who Knew We Didn't. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Uh, we Let us know if you guys have any other requests. We like to know what you want to hear. Um, yeah, and tell us whatever you want to tell us. I'm losing my mind now. Okay, guy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guy. Bye, <laughs> guy.